Hello, Prestige Heads, and welcome to American Prestige. I'm Danny Bessner, here as always with my friend and comrade Derek Davison. And we just wanted to bring you a bit of a news update concerning what's going on in Israel-Palestine. So, Derek, let's get to it. What's going on? Uh, well, it's been a difficult day, to say the least, in the West Bank. Uh, the, the town of Huara, which is located near Nablus in the northern West Bank, uh, things started this morning when a Palestinian attacker shot and killed two Israelis, uh, in Huara or, or near it. I'm not entirely clear where exactly it took place. Um, but, um, that comes after, I mean, as we've covered on this podcast, uh, an extended weeks and weeks of um, almost nonstop violence, uh, Israeli arrest raids, uh, particularly, um, you know, the deaths of, uh, I think at this point, 63 or 64 Palestinians uh, so far this year, uh, 11 Israelis uh, have died in uh, similar violence. Uh, there was just a shooting on Friday uh, in the same general vicinity in a town called, uh, a village called Kusra. Uh, where Israeli settlers, uh, two Israeli settlers, I believe, uh, entered that village and shot two Palestinians and wounded them. Uh, I don't, I'm not saying there's a direct link between these two incidents, but just to note that uh, it's been a, a, a particularly violent couple of months here in the West Bank. And uh, Nablus and Huara in particular have been one of, this has been one of the flashpoints uh, of that violence. So in the wake of the shooting, uh, on Sunday, uh, a mob uh, of Israeli settlers from a nearby settlement uh, essentially Sunday evening descended on Huara. Uh, they burned a number of houses, uh, killed at least one Palestinian uh, that we know of, wounded scores more. I think over 100 was the, the last count I saw. I mean, none of these statistics uh, are can be checked or, or very specific because um, this is a situation that's, you know, if it if it's over, and I'm not entirely sure that it is, uh, it, it just ended, you know, not that long ago. So, um, you know, the, the aftermath is still being, you know, people are still kind of picking through and, and uh, trying to figure out what exactly happened. But there's been uh, what seems like fairly widespread damage, uh, as I say, a large number of casualties. Israeli authorities uh, according to Haaretz, and this has been mostly reported in uh, Israeli media, I haven't seen a lot in uh, kind of Western outlets yet about this, uh, but f according to Haaretz, the, what I saw in their uh, live coverage was that Israeli authorities say they have control of the situation now. So they've they've stopped the rampage and turned the settlers back. Uh, really a pogrom, I think, is, is probably the best way to look at this. It was it, it looked like an attempt to just burn the uh, the town to the ground and drive the people out. Um, again, I, I, I don't know how much credence to give that because this is still a developing situation. And by all accounts, or by many accounts, uh, Israeli security forces, if they didn't outright enable uh, this violence, they at least looked the other way while it happened. Um, so, you know, anything they say at this point about having control of the situation, I would take uh, with a grain of salt, but um, you know, I haven't seen any reporting to contradict that. So I would say things possibly are in a lull now. 
How has the world responded? Um, how have governments in the region responded? How has the United States responded, if uh, anything has been said at all? Uh, at this point, I think it's too early to to expect any responses from regional governments, um, many of whom are, of course, now uh, involved in their normalization agreements with the Israeli government and uh, have to try to calibrate any response that they give to appeal to a domestic audience that still uh, cares about the Palestinians, cares about the Palestinian cause uh, versus their kind of rank political considerations uh, where they are, uh, you know, in, in closer, ever closer relationships, security, commerce, et cetera, with the, the Israeli government. So they don't want to um, alienate them either. They're probably still kind of working out how exactly to respond to this. The United States hasn't responded to my knowledge. Uh, there is still, if you go to uh, Secretary of State Antony Blinken's account, uh, Twitter account, uh, I believe he still has a, a tweet up uh, praising a conference that was held earlier on Sunday in Aqaba, the city in Jordan, uh, which was one of the first uh, first encounters in some time between Israeli and Palestinian representatives, where they were supposed to discuss uh, tamping down the violence in the West Bank and easing tensions. So it's something of a morbidly ironic uh, thing for that to have taken place on the same day that all of this happened. And, and yes, the, the tweet on Blinken's account is still uh, today's meeting in Aqaba is a positive step for Israelis and Palestinians. I, I don't think, uh, I don't know if he hasn't seen the news or if he's out of Twitter range or out of internet range or something. Uh, but clearly things have, have gone uh, straight downhill uh, since that conference. Uh, I will note, um, you know, one of the big drivers of tension in the West Bank, obviously the thing that stands in the way of the vaunted two-state solution is Israeli settlement activity. Uh, supposedly at Aqaba, the Israeli negotiators agreed to a four-month moratorium on new settlement construction and a six-month moratorium on this practice of taking outposts, which are settlements that uh, are considered illegal under Israeli law, uh, but the Israeli government frequently retroactively makes them legal. Uh, the, they, they agreed to a six-month moratorium on that activity. That was immediately uh, rejected or rebuked by the finance minister of the Israeli government, Bezalel Smotrich, who has also uh, been given a, a kind of special job as the uh, guy in charge of settlements in the West Bank, uh, in addition to his finance minister portfolio. And Benjamin Netanyahu also tweeted uh, in Hebrew, which is, is often a, an issue because, um, you, you know, you can have uh, somebody agree to something in English and then broadcast in, in Hebrew to the, uh, the local audience that, uh, you know, know we're doing something else. Uh, but Netanyahu himself tweeted, uh, that, uh, there's not going to be any freeze. Uh, so I don't know what actually is supposed to have happened at Aqaba, but clearly it was not, uh, what was reported. Obviously, it's difficult to predict, but what do you imagine the U.S. government is going to do? And the reason that I ask is because we've recently be talk, uh, been talking about how the U.S. government seems to have just effectively given up on this, uh, and that you'll have these meetings every now and then, you'll have empty statements like Blinken's, but for the most part, the U.S. government is not going to use um, economic or strategic pressure to force Israel um, to do anything. Uh, what do you think about that? Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think you'll get another statement from eventually whenever somebody at the State Department wakes up, you'll get another statement, which they do all the time, uh, whenever there's violence 
uh, whenever there's uh, an, an arrest raid that's particularly violent. And of course, there was uh, one recently uh, in the West Bank that, in which 11 Palestinians were killed. It was the deadliest Israeli raid uh, in the West Bank in, uh, since the, the Second Intifada. Um, you know, they'll, they'll respond to incidents like that with by saying that we call on both sides to, you know, show restraint and calm down. And, uh, you know, then they'll say something about the two-state solution, which has been uh, deader than disco for at least 25 years now. Um, so it'll just be some empty rhetoric like that. I, there, there is no uh, real, I mean, I think U.S. policymakers have decided that this is an, an intractable problem because they're not willing to accept the political cost of doing what would be necessary uh, to actually bring the Israelis to to a negotiating table uh, in a in a good faith way to stop the settlements and and really push for a a settlement that the Palestinians could live with. So uh, yeah, I don't I don't think there's any interest in it. I think there's a hope that you just kind of uh, can manage the the status quo. Uh, any given administration that comes into office is either going to be uh, like the Trump administration, just outright you know in favor of annexation and ethnic cleansing and, you know, to hell with everything, or it's going to be uh, like the Biden administration, which I think was hoping to ride it out, was hoping that the the, the previous government would stay in power, the one that was led by uh, Naftali Bennett and, and included a very unwieldy kind of broad spectrum uh, coalition. I think the hope would have been that that government would have stayed in power, but instead it has been replaced with a very far right, uh, very settler oriented uh, government that is likely provoking this uh, in order to justify uh, even harsher actions. So, um, so let's yeah, talk, I, go I, into that. How do you think this yeah. relates to the new government? This is the big question that everyone's wondering. I mean, it it it, it obviously does. There, these the, the stepped up violence, which has created this cycle now, where you you know uh, raid upon raid upon raid, and then. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of a Palestinian retaliation and that just justifies, uh, you know, even greater levels of violence, even more securitization uh, of the region. Uh, it's being driven by a cabinet that wants to annex, if not the entire West Bank, certainly most of the West Bank. I mean, Netanyahu, the last time he was in power with a, with a less right-wing government, uh, wanted to annex the Jordan Valley and the settlements. That was that was on his agenda. He was only uh, talked out of doing that at the last minute with uh, the the, the uh, negotiation of the Abraham Accords. It was one of the conditions. Uh, and I don't think you know the UAE or Bahrain or uh, you know any of the other governments that entered into these agreements with Israel really cares about the Palestinians, but they didn't want to be embarrassed. I was going to uh, ask by that. Yeah. normalizing. Uh, relations with the Israelis only to have Israel then annex Jordan Valley and basically reduce the West Bank to a to a rump kind of uh, you know Bantu stand situation. So uh, it was part of the deal that the Israelis would not go ahead with that, and Netanyahu agreed to it. Um, I, I now he's in office not just you know, alongside a much further right wing government, but dependent on uh, these much further right wing pro settler. Uh, parties and and politicians to keep himself in office, lest he find you know, lest he wind up uh, you know back in front of a, a judge on his corruption case. Um, so you know this is this is personal for him as much as it is ideological, uh, and he's reliant on these people because they can walk away. They can say, you know what, I don't you know I, if you're not going to give me what I want, which is annexation of the settlements. Um, and we talked in, on 
you know, in the news on, on Friday about this. They, they've already, they're already de facto annexing the settlements. The, the Smotrich is, is going to bring the settlements under Israeli civilian law. Uh, the whole West Bank right now is under military rule. Uh, but if he does that, if he brings the settlements under Israeli civilian law, that creates a two-tiered, I mean, it reinforces apartheid for one thing because it, it creates a, a, an even more two-tiered system in the West Bank, but it, it, it is effectively annexing those, those places in, in all but name. Um, so, you know, he's, Netanyahu is, is, even if he didn't want to go along with this, which I think, you know, on some level he does, uh, but he's stuck with these guys. He has to, has to sort of give them what they want. Let's talk about the regional response. What is the regional response going to be? So let me let me give a sort of potted history question, Derek, and I think what you th- uh, let me know what you think. So obviously during the Cold War, this was viewed as a Cold War conflict, Israel-Palestine. After the end of the Cold War, you have this unipolar thing where it becomes sort of like we're going to end global conflict and we'll be, we'll be able to you know use international law to develop a solution. Now it just seems like people have given up on it. Now we're in this post-Cold post War moment where even regional powers, which in the 60s and 70s in the era of decolonization would have tried to do something, have effectively just washed their hands of it and say, this is not really of import to them. Um, is that an incorrect assumption or what do you think is going to happen? Um, I mean, when you talk about regional powers, the only one that's left uh, that isn't uh, hasn't normalized relations with Israel uh, is Saudi Arabia. Um, and the Saudis uh, are more worried about Iran than they are about Israel or, or the Palestinians. And they uh, are they and Israel are on the same side when it comes to Iran. So uh, that is a relationship of convenience. It's not an out-and-out alliance or normalization in the way that uh, the other countries, some of the other countries, uh, you know, the UAE, Egypt, etc., uh, have normal diplomatic relations with Israel, but it it is uh, plenty of reason for uh, the Saudi government not to to do anything other than uh, you know maybe offer some some words of con- condemnation or something for the violence. Um, I mean, Iran is the other player here. I, I hesitate to call them a regional power. They've been so heavily sanctioned and cut off from everything. Uh, you know, there could be a reaction uh, from. Iran, there could be a reaction from, you know, maybe through Hezbollah in, in Lebanon or through, you know, some of these militias that operate in uh, Iraq and Syria. Uh, but I, I don't think the Iranians have the capacity to do anything, uh, you know, terribly significant and, you know, militarily. Uh, and the Israelis can and will strike back. They, I mean, you know, they bombed uh, Isfahan just a couple of weeks ago. So it's not like they're shy about uh, attacking Iran, even uh, you know, on, on Iranian soil, let alone uh, attacking their proxies. So, uh, yeah, I, I think you know, regionally, there's just not. I don't expect this to cause that big of a reaction, unfortunately. And and internationally, nobody cares. Even that's even my the question. Russia, are, India, yeah, China, no, people care. who fr- I mean, yeah, right. Even they don't. They, Israel, Palestine is not even within sort of the U.S. geopolitical. Um, rivalry for for the other great powers and middle powers, right? right? I mean, China's it's just, doing business deals with, with problem, Israel, right? And they don't um, care otherwise, right? You know, Russia has nothing to gain from uh, taking a Palestinian position, pro-Palestinian position here, at least not a strenuous one. Uh, you know, they're still working, they're still trying to kind of manage their uh, operations in Syria with Israel, so uh, it, it doesn't really do them any good to to be antagonistic here. What do they get out of that? Um, 
China, like I said, is doing. I mean, they're they're doing business deals with uh, with the Israeli government. The, that's that's a lucrative relationship, and and China's uh, approach to the Middle East has been, uh, you know, friends with everybody, you know, no enemies, and and I think uh, that means uh, not taking a position on anything really, uh, let alone taking a position on this. They won't take a position on. Uh, the Iran-Saudi Arabia rivalry. They don't take a position on anything. They just try to do business with everybody. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't... There's no international player that that would uh, serve as a counterweight anymore in the way that, as you say, with uh, back in the Cold War, the Soviets might have, uh, you know, played a role here. Although, you know, I, that's that's speculative. But uh, there's really no, no countervailing uh, world power that, that's interested in this situation. What have you seen in terms of the domestic U.S. response, not from the government, but from um, lobbying groups, activist groups, anything worth noting? Um, I, I, well, again, I mean, this stuff, if you're talking about any response to what's happened today, that's, um, you know, it, it, there's just not hasn't been time for anybody to formulate uh, a response. I mean, you know, you'll probably, you may see um, certainly, you know, Human rights groups may uh, condemn what's happened here. Uh, uh, Pro-Palestinian groups may will, will likely condemn what's happened. Um, you'll get nothing from, you know, APAC or the you know uh, groups in that orbit. Um, but no, I mean, I, I haven't seen any response yet, and again, I wouldn't really expect to, given uh, given how uh, you know quickly this has developed. Uh, so, Derek, just one final question. Obviously, people uh, listen to us. They view this on Twitter. Is there anything that they could do? Is there anyone that they should send money to the American way? Send money. Uh, or is it? Is this just, yeah, I mean, it's it's, just a horrible situation and um, not much to do? I, I would have to do a little bit of research. I mean, I think you can maybe send... Uh, money to uh, the UN Relief and Works Agency, which uh, manages Palestinian refugee issues. Um, but you know, anything outside of that, I'd I'd want to research because you get into uh, you know, who's, uh, who's doing oh, you have ties. This, yeah. this group has ties to Hamas. Well, I mean, you know, do, do they really, or is that uh, something that somebody's manufactured? But it's always, you know. Uh, you, you just never know. Uh, it's so heavily politicized. You never know if the money is going to be allowed to to go through, or if you're going to wind up on somebody's watch list or something. So I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't. Right. This I is wouldn't kind of steer anybody right. in this, any other direction. And un, uh, I mean, the UN Relief and Works Agency does vital work. So if people wanted to to give to Palestinian causes, that's not a bad place. It's not, um, you know, perhaps not the ideal place if you could construct one. Uh, uh, you know, in, an, in a vacuum, but uh, that that would be one place I would look. Yeah, and just underlines that uh, you know, just, this is a long-term project of changing uh, what the United States does in the world and how it uses its pressure. Derek Davison, thank you so much, um, everyone. We will see you soon. Bye. Bye. Yes. Yes.